It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports comments and editor. Along with Rick Broering, each week we take a look at sports topics locally, nationally, make some sports picks, and have a probably a card story or two that we pass along. I got I got driving tips every week. I got to pass along to people. I'm I'm getting more and more frustrated with our roadways. Yeah, I really it, am. it started out as ghosts. Now it's, now it's weirdly the, become a driving yeah. t- uh, class. I am I really in get off my lawn mode when it comes to the road these days, Rick. You certainly are. How about You're just get off old, my roadway? Older by the podcast. Yes, I am. Skinny. Let's jump into it. Michigan State coach Mark D'Antonio has stepped down from his position as the longtime coach of the Spartans program. D'Antonio made the surprising announcement on Tuesday afternoon, less than 24 hours before National Signing Day, and just two weeks after receiving a $4.3 million longevity bonus from the university. D'Antonio is the subject of a lawsuit filed against the school by former Spartan staffer Curtis Blackwell, who is seeking more than $5 million in damages for wrongful termination. In the complaint, Blackwell alleges that D'Antonio, who has spent the last 13 years at Michigan State, committed multiple NCAA recruiting violations. Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle has been tabbed as the top candidate to replace D'Antonio, according to multiple media outlets in Michigan. Skinny, I ask you, is Michigan State a job worth leaving Cincinnati for at this point? You know, I I don't think so. And I would almost say that before the potential of NCAA violations being poured on. Uh, separate of this lawsuit and all those things, because I think if you're if you're Luke Fickle, the next job I want to take is one where I have a legitimate chance to win a national championship. I, I mean that maybe I'm wrong there. I, I know, look, the money's going to be better. It's always better taking taking this type of move. Um, but Michigan State's never going to catch up to Ohio State. I don't think they catch up to Michigan. I don't think they catch up to Penn State. I don't think they're even on par with Wisconsin. So really, you're the fourth or fifth best team in that league. Maybe in a really good year, you're third. Maybe second in a really good year. But I, I say no. I, if I'm if I'm Luke Fickle, the only job I'm leaving UC for at this point, honestly, is Ohio State if it comes open. And that's understandable from everybody's purview, right? I mean, and I, look, I think Cincinnati fans would understand if he took the Michigan State job. But based on the way you asked the question, I don't think it is. What do you think? It. It's a, it's a tough call. I guess it depends on what's important to Luke Fickle right now because can you double your salary essentially based on what they're paying Mark D'Antonio? Yeah. Now, is he going to start out making that? Probably not. But D'Antonio is making somewhere in the $4 million range. You can be paid as like a top 15 and let me say coach something in college you. football. Mark D'Antonio is a kid. I mean, he really is. He was he was that here. And for him to, 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 to sit around and wait to, for the bonus to kick in and then the day before signing day go – Adios. What a scumbag. No wonder he's got bags under his eyes because he can't sleep because he can't sleep with himself. Okay. okay. Uh, it seems there was a lot going on behind the scenes here. I don't think this was, uh, or I guess I should, I do think this was the strategic exit oh, based on the timing of it all. Absolutely. Um, in terms of Luke Fickle, though, he can be paid like a top 15 coach in college football. I think you're right. If you're leaving Cincinnati right now, especially with where he has this program and where it's it's headed in the American Conference, look, they're in a position to control the American Conference for the next handful long, of years. Long time, there. yeah. Right? So um, they're recruiting at a level that the university has never really seen before. The Prater kid at quarterback that they brought in from Wyoming it looks to be a difference maker. It's it's a big deal. Things are rolling in the right direction for UC. So if he wants to stay there, he's probably going to have his pick of big-time jobs over the next 
however many years right. at UC if he stays. So I think he does have to choose a job where he is going to get a shot at making the college football playoff without question. Michigan State made one. They made it the second year that it was introduced. So it has been done there. But I kind of lean more towards where you're at on it is, do you think they're going to catch Ohio State? Do you think they're going to catch Wisconsin? Are they capable of that? Maybe. Maybe with Luke Fickle, they are capable of that. Maybe he'll keep the recruiting up. He'll continue to recruit Ohio the way he was, just like Michigan State's done when they've been at their best. He'll continue to recruit the Midwest at a really high level, and maybe he'll be able to compete with Ohio State. Or maybe you lose 10 scholarships or you lose 15 scholarships or whatever period of time is because of the violations. Right, and you're going to have a ton of resources because you're in the Big Ten. The Big Ten money is no crazy doubt. right now, so you will have those resources. You will get paid well. But he also has a big family. A son that I believe is a senior in high school or will be a senior. Uh, And, you know, a a family that seems kind of settled right now. Now, granted, when you have six kids and you're going to be moving up in the ranks regardless, you're going to have to uproot them at some point. I was told by somebody close to the program on Tuesday night that he's gone. And I said, you may hear that. I'm not going to believe it until I hear it straight from him. I'm just not. Because I I think what you're saying, there's a lot of truth to that. Because that's all I've ever heard is, the family likes the roots. They like the city. They like the area. Look, you make, as football coach at the University of Cincinnati, you make the money you make, you're getting paid pretty well in the city of Cincinnati, right? I mean, you can you can live pretty high on, on what you're making there. So um, I, I won't believe it till I, till I see it. And I was told it was a done deal, and it'll come out next week. And, it, it, look, it's understandable if he does, but I think there's a lot of factors that would keep him here. I, I do. Michigan State people certainly seem to think it's a done deal right now, or at least that was the rumors on social media as of Wednesday night. Yep. Um, I could see it going either way. It wouldn't really surprise me either way. I could see him looking at that Michigan State situation saying, they've done it before, I'm good enough, I can take them right back sure. there, I'll double my salary, I'm not moving that far away from my, my home. And his recruiting base. And yeah. my recruiting base. Yep. I could see it working out for him. At the same time, I could see him saying, look at this disaster, the stain that's on Michigan State Athletics as a whole and the university as a whole right now. They're really not that close to being the top dog in the Big Ten right now. Tom Izzo can't even beat Penn State at home anymore. (laughs) Michigan State basketball can't win on the road all of a sudden. And I've got the family thing. Now, I think the family thing is always overrated in these situations. I mean, Chris Mack is a perfect example of that at Xavier. But I'm going to say no at this point. I think at the end of the day, Luke Fickle ends up staying because he knew that this opportunity was coming. And while he hasn't shot it down yet since it's been out there, it also doesn't seem like if he if he knew it was coming and Michigan State knew it was coming, which both parties did, you would think they'd be closer to a deal than they seem to be right now. Or you get signing day behind you, and and let's just say you know you're turning it over to Marcus Freeman and you're going to say, listen, I'm not going to screw up your recruiting class, our recruiting class. Uh, I'm going to stay through signing day, and you'll have you'll, you know the players should be familiar with you, and we'll give you the reins. Because I, I think at this stage, I think you have to go in-house if, you, if you're UC if he leaves, right? I mean, I think going outside would be pretty tough. Well, and I think they have probably the perfect candidate for the job, right. Marcus Freeman. Right. I think it makes a lot of sense to go Marcus Freeman, whether this happens right now, whether it happens from a year a year from now in a more conventional fashion. I think you absolutely have to look in Marcus Freeman's direction if you're UC first and foremost. I don't think that's a question. And UC's done a pretty good job of that over over the years for the most part. I mean, yeah, Fickle was hired from the outside and Tuberville was hired from the outside, but um, I mean, Mark D'Antonio was an inside job, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, it can be done. And I look, 
either way he goes, I don't blame him for it. But I can see if I'm him, it's not as easy a decision as, hey, it's a it's a Big Ten Big Ten job, man. Take the Big Ten job, eh, not so fast. Yeah, especially where you have UC at right now right. in the American, you're set up for success to where you're basically going to be the hot name for the next four years. Correct. Well, that's almost set in cement right now. UC is not going to lose for the next four years with Luke Fickle at the helm. No, that's unless right. Unless something catastrophic yeah. happens. Yeah, no, no, right. That's right. And again, you're going into a place where you don't know if the NCAA shoe drops, right? You don't. Yeah, and it could. It, it's it's different at football with this college football thing, the, the college football playoff now, so it's such a select number of schools right. that really have a chance to compete. And I just don't know if you want to go into a job that has that uncertainty surrounding. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and, and if you do, you're going to take a ski mask to them in the negotiations, I would assume. Absolutely. And I'm not sure if Michigan State is ready to pay Luke Fickle that type of money. No, I mean, they got a, they got a $5 million lawsuit hanging over them. They got all the, the, the Larry Nasser stuff hanging over them. I mean, you got a bunch of stuff hanging over you as an athletic department. And I... I just don't know if I want to walk into that if I'm him. No, I wouldn't either, but we will see what happens. Football season came to an end Sunday night as the Kansas City Chiefs won their second Super Bowl championship in come-from-behind fashion 31-20 over the San Francisco 49ers. The Chiefs trailed 20-10 with 8-12 left in the game before scoring three unanswered touchdowns. The Chiefs' comeback win is tied for the second largest in Super Bowl history. Pat Mahomes was named MVP after completing 26 of 42 passes for 286 yards and two touchdowns with two interceptions. He also rushed nine times for 29 yards and a score. Skinny, we'll start here. I have a three-pack of questions right, for like you about the Super Bowl, and it starts with this. Is Heads Patrick- or tails? <laughs> tails never fails, as yeah. I told you. you I'm won, off you the hook. The, you are off the hook. That's how, that's how you do bets. You wait to pay long enough till someone wants to double yep. or nothing, and then you on you something as stupid as heads or tails. tails. Yep, you, you were uh, a fool for taking. Yes, that I one. was. Is Pat Mahomes clearly the best player in the NFL now, Skinny? I, I'd say he's got to be certainly right up there, if not the best. I mean, the thing is, he doesn't have bad games. I mean, this is, by the raw numbers, this was an eh game for him. I mean, he wasn't great. But he was good enough to win the MVP. He was good enough to make two huge throws when they needed to make two huge throws. Flipping one fifty yards off of his back foot to Tyree Kill and the throw to Sammy Watkins. Um, yeah, I, and it's incredible to think what he's done in what amounts to two years as a starting quarterback. I mean, he got the one start his his rookie year or whatever the the first year, and last year takes over the helms. I mean, he's really an offsides by his one of his defensive players away last year from going to the Super Bowl. If they don't commit the offsides. New England doesn't keep its drive alive and then get a chance to win in overtime. And then in his technically second year as a full-time starter, he wins the Super Bowl. Man, sky's the limit for that cat. Yeah, I think he is clearly the best player in the NFL, but I do not think the Super Bowl showed that. Like, the Super no. Bowl was one of the worst performances I think we've seen no, from him. No, but that's my fact, point. It was one of his worst performances, but it's still not an awful performance. No. It's not like a 30-passer rating performance that a quarterback occasionally throws No, and he made the plays needed right. to be made. He right. showed the quote-unquote clutch gene at the end and all that I think Tyreek Hill should have been the MVP because I had a wager on him. Uh, I was going to say, hold on now. We're going to ask about that in a second. Um but he looked injured for most of the game. His passes didn't have anything on him. And uh, 49ers did a great job of putting pressure on him with a four-man rush. Hey, the second interception he threw, that could have been that could have been the game clincher, to be honest with you. It could have been. I mean, been. threw it right. And it, talk about a terrible throw. Uh, both interceptions were yeah, terrible throws. Yeah. Really? The second one especially, though, because I'm like, where, where, what are you even looking at? You're, you're better than that. Yeah, and but then he turned, he turned it on to his credit and made the plays. But yeah, I mean, like you said, he makes the plays when necessary, even when he's not at his best, which he wasn't in this one. 
I do think he's clearly the best best quarterback in the NFL and probably best overall player. I mean, I don't even know who is number two at this point. I don't think Lamar Jackson's at that point. I don't think Deshaun oh, on, Watson's on the, at that on, point. On, on the short amount of games that Lamar Jackson's played, a year and a half's worth of games, he's done nothing but wow you. And I'm, I'm, I was the one that never thought he could could do this, sustain the the way they he does, and maybe he can't. Again, he's to me, he's still one big open field hit away from having his career get derailed, but it hasn't happened yet. So I think he's he's got to be up there. I, he, he's the same way. I mean, he's just been spectacular. Yeah, he was named the MVP, obviously. Did right. you see the video that the the uh, Ravens NFL put together for him and then filmed his reaction as he watched it? Was uh, it good? Really yeah. cool stuff. Just sort of the whole, you know, had the scouting reports things where people talked about all the plays he couldn't make and then had highlights of him making all of those the plays. plays right. And um, he was watching it and kind of tearing up and just it was pretty cool to see. Um, I, I My second question for you about the Super Bowl is, was Damian Williams snubbed for the MVP? You brought up Tyreek Hill, but I think Damian Williams had the more interesting case. Because if he doesn't pick up some big yardage on the ground in certain stages, they're not moving the ball consistently, and then he makes the clinching hey, big, run. Big, big catch, too. And big catch, too, right. I mean, yeah, I, I thought I. it's always easy to give it to the quarterback, and I think sometimes for a running back, you've got to go for about a buck 80 and score three touchdowns to, to probably put yourself in that mix. Same for a receiver, because if the receiver's doing something well, well, who else did something well? The, the, quarterback. the quarterback. It's almost going to be impossible for a receiver yes. in this day yeah. and age unless you blow up for over 250 Correct. yards. Which and is I think it's the same way impossible. for a running back. I think for a running back, you got to get something in the high hundreds and score multiple, multiple touchdowns. That's unfortunate because I thought Damian Williams, honestly, he was a he was a key weapon in their offense. He wasn't just, hey, we got to have a running back and occasionally we'll hand it to him and he'll get his 53 yards and paddle throw for 380 and we'll be done. No, he was he made some big plays when they needed him to make some big plays. Yeah, I mean, what can you do as a non-quarterback now to win the the MVP? If you're a defensive player, you probably need the defensive touchdown. Well, you need that, like, to be a low-scoring game, game right? too, right? You need yeah. to be a, a, a you know, 14-10, 17-13 type game and come up with two picks and, and or three sacks or something like that and a touchdown. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're a running back, you're right. It probably comes down to like an over 200-yard game where there just wasn't much done through the air. Well, stupid me. I mean, I made three, three, three bets on MVP. Awards. They were ten dollars to win. You know, crazy money. One of them was a five dollar to win. I can't remember two hundred and eighty bucks on. I had Tyron Matthew at like seven hundred to one or something like that odds. But I took I took Kelsey. I took Kittle. I took I actually took four. I took Tyree Kill. I was and, and the more I looked at, I'm like, it's either going to go to G- and I should what I should have done is my backup plan should have been Garoppolo because it's it, it's going to go to one of two quarterbacks. It always does. Garoppolo was actually a value. I think he was like eight to one or something like that. Wow. Mahomes was basically even money, and I'm not making an even money bet on an MVP in a Super Bowl. I'm just not doing it. Yeah, there's no point to that. Um, I, at this point in the NFL, though, for M- for MVP for seasons for Super Bowls, it just feels like it's going to be impossible for it to be anything other than a quarterback almost. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it's a it's a pass first league, right? And pass first leagues, you better have the guy, and that that's that's why if you, if if it's the quarterback, he usually leads his team to big victories and and puts up big numbers. At the same time, I don't know that I necessarily feel that Damian Williams was snubbed. I mean, you look at Pat Mahomes' numbers; he did, still- but I thought Damian Williams made the made the real big plays that they had to, to sustain themselves and then the clinching the clinching run was a great run he did there and the, the argument is certainly there that he's the reason they won that game he I mean, answered the, the bell when they needed it most the, the catch to reach it over the pylon was was a great i mean those are two humongous plays no doubt about it uh but i mean you still look at mahomes numbers he still threw for almost 300 yards. i know it he did get the two touchdowns and it goes back to your first question of, of of is he the best player in the game those numbers by themselves you'd, you'd look at it and you go Andy Dalton, 26 of 42, 286, two touchdowns and two picks in a win. It's 
pretty good performance. Yeah, and ran for a touchdown. And ran for a touchdown. Yeah. That's pretty good performance by Andy. He counted for three TDs and threw for almost three bills and a win. Okay. For Pat Mahomes, it's like, that wasn't a very good performance. No, it was pretty good. It just wasn't. I, I would invite, go to Football Reference and look at his game log and find find more than more than two games where you go, that wasn't very good. You won't. I mean, most of them you go, God, that was, oh, wow, look at, ooh, look, oh, look, at that, look at that game. And it was more so the eye test because a yeah. lot of, it just didn't look like he no, had I agree it. With you. A lot of his throws just weren't there. I agree with you. And I, you know, but when he made, had to make two big throws, he made two huge throws. And even the throw to Damian Williams was a good throw. I mean, it was, a, it was the right throw to make in stride to get a chance to run to the pylon. And he runs to the pylon. Did you think that was a touchdown? I didn't. I still don't. It, it was so close. I, I was fine either way. I, I was too. I felt like whatever they called on the field was going to stand. Right. I, yeah, I agree with that. I, was I said gla- the same thing. I was glad that they, they stuck to yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly what I said too. I, I, I thought the same thing. If they'd have called it short, I think that you would have had to leave it short. But the fact they called it a touchdown, I think you had to leave it as a touchdown. Yeah, I agree. All right, final question here. Give me your best Super Bowl take that we haven't already mentioned. That we haven't or the national media hasn't? That think, we I, haven't right here in these two first topics. What That San Francisco wasn't true to itself. Run the ball. Run. I mean, that's what you do best. Yeah, I think You don't Shan- have Garoppolo throw it 31 times. I think Shanahan's going to look at those two downs on second and third back-to-back yes. where they threw the ball on that final drive. Yes. And, and really regret that they didn't run the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's you were so good at that all year. And you're even creative in this game doing it a couple end arounds. Um, you had some success. Look, maybe he maybe he felt like maybe he outsmarted himself. Honestly, maybe it was our tendencies are they're thinking run. They know we're running. They show a run look. Let's well, let's go ahead and go to a throw. And I think they just saw their offensive line looking gassed, but their offensive line was going to be gassed for the pass Correct. too. They weren't going to be able to protect Correct. him, which they didn't. Which they didn't. Right. I that to me is the the thing. I think you're right. I think Shanahan will look back on that and go, you know what. The running game got us here all year. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy's okay. Jimmy's and Jimmy's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I just don't. I, I think the narrative of him is when you really need him to make a throw, can he make a throw? Oh, so, and so he, that's that's and he, my and he, exact. And he, had, and he had a great chance to make that throw, and he completely missed that throw down the middle to uh, to Emmanuel Sanders. So that was my exact topic that I wanted to bring up: is Are we sure Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback? I think he's good. I I, I don't know if he's a difference maker. I, I, I mean, I, I think he's similar to a lot of quarterbacks in this league yes. in the same way that like Andy Dalton is. Is if yes. you put them in the right situation, they're going to look pretty good. Which Jimmy Garoppolo looked pretty good all year. I mean, I think you would but say man, like, if I were to ask you the identity and order of of San Francisco, it is that defense, the running run game, game, and then the fact that Garoppolo doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Right? I mean, yeah. They, but it's not like Garoppolo's carrying you to wins. And he was pretty good in fourth quarters of games this year, though, mind you. He was. He definitely won them games when, when they needed yes. to. But how often, like you said, how often were they relying on him right. to make the big throw and make the big play for them? A lot of times it was the defense and the running game grinding wins out and him not turning the ball over, being a game manager. Yeah, he picked up some third downs along the ways and made some plays. I'm not trying to take too much away from the season that he just had because it was definitely a good one. I think almost every NFL team you know, aside from the the few with an elite quarterback would say, yeah, we'd take Jimmy Garoppolo as our starting sure. quarterback right now and, and roll from there and see what we have. But watching that Super Bowl performance and really watching him all playoffs long, I don't know that I'm too impressed. Like you said, when you need to rely on him to make a throw, do you feel good about I, it? it? Let's say that they would, let's say if they would have hung on 20 to 13 and won the game, who would have been there at the MVP? I know. It's a good I, question. I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I don't have the stats in front of me yeah. to know exactly what their skill players but, did, but, but it doesn't no, feel like it would be Garoppolo. Yeah, nothing popped off the board. Actually, well, did it? Really, Debo is Samuel, it Debo, or is it 
Bosa? Is it the defense? Right. One of maybe, the defensive maybe. linemen? Cause, I mean, because they would have had a chance to probably close it, close it out in that situation. They, they the pressured Mahomes nonstop for the first three and a half quarters of that game. And, so, and so really if, Frisco, if Frisco had won it, while Trent Dilfer's widely considered the worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl, right? And he still would be. Garoppolo yes. would be considered better. Yes. But I don't but know that he would have done more. He'd be more. in that bottom tier, though, of quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl, right? If you were to look at all of them over time? I don't think people view him that way right now. And that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Should we be viewing him that way? Because I don't, I don't know, know that he's anything more than a game manager, to be honest. I, I shouldn't say that he's not, look, but I'm not convinced it, 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 he is. They had to go get Emmanuel Sanders for a reason, right? I mean, they had to have at least... And Emmanuel Sanders is not at the elite level anymore, but he's was an he's upgrade. A threat. They had to upgrade at wide receiver for a reason because they just didn't have a lot of weapons. So I, I got to give him a little pass for that. And so the other part is, look, if you can run the ball as effectively as they did and you can play defense as effectively as they did, you're not going to ask your quarterback to do a whole lot. And that makes a lot of sense to me. So I still don't know, but I do know what I saw when he had to make a throw I mean, in the NFL standards, that's about as wide open as you're going to get a guy, and he missed him by a mile. I mean, it wasn't like it went off the fingertips, right? It was a mile. I mean, we just don't see a ton of poise from him when there's pressure. He doesn't move all I mean, that well I, around I, the, the pocket. The, well, the one run where he got outside the pocket, how in the world did he not get to the first down mark? That's what I'm saying. The guy doesn't seem to be the most poised, the most calm under pressure. He doesn't seem to have the greatest feel within the pocket. And then when it comes down to just making the throws, I'm not loving what I see in terms of arm talent. I mean, He's good. He's okay. Yeah. I, I, again, I think most teams, if you ask the Bengals right now, would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or Andy Dalton? Everyone would say Jimmy Garoppolo. Everyone so would say Joe Burrow. Well, of course they would. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just not convinced on him. Anything else from the Super Bowl? No, I, I think we kind of tie it together of, of Shanahan's going to regret not being true to what they do run the football. Because Jimmy because G Jimmy is not, G's that, not great. that great. Yeah. All right, Skinny. With football season in general coming to an end. XFL's coming. Nah, come on now. I'm going to watch. I bet you will because you'll be betting on it. No comment. It's time to check in with college basketball. A lot of people are just going to be tuning in now. So let's go around and take a look at the local teams. And we're going to play a little like word or phrase association. I'm going to ask you what word or phrase would you use to describe each of these team seasons at this point, okay? Xavier sits at 15 and 8 overall and 4 and 6 in the conference after back-to-back road wins at Seton Hall and DePaul. What word or phrase would you use to describe Xavier's seasons at this point? Schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. I, that's a it's a that's a great one. Um I would say Hang on. Yeah, go, go ahead and you give me yours on this one. I this would one's say hard for me. A disappointment until February. Well, that's what I'm saying. Schizophrenic a little <laughs> bit. I mean, you just you don't know what you're getting. Um, I guess the word phrase it would I'd use to describe it. 2018-19. Is that, is that one word? Because that's what it feels like, right? That all, that all of a sudden we're right back where we were last year, and we gave I, dude. I gave him up for dead going to Seton Hall. I did. I in my mind, I'm like, you're gonna go get boat raced. And you're going to follow that up with a lackluster performance at the Paul and your season night night. You're done. We even finished. I think I even said on the podcast last week if they don't win those games. I mean, if they didn't win the uh, the last home game, that I don't know if they even finished 500. Now I'm looking and going, okay, what kind of seed can they get? I mean, yeah. I, and and I thought Travis Steele summed it up, and you've said it multiple times. That's what this league is. You in one week you can go from feeling like crap 
to thinking we're really good and one week thinking, hey, we're really good to going, holy cow, can we win a game? Well, now how silly do you think they feel for losing that double overtime game against Marquette where Marcus Howard was out for the no final question. 20-something minutes of action and they should have pulled off the you, win multiple si- times and let it get away and, from them? Look, 16-7 and seven and 5-5 five and five at this point, if you'd have asked me that back in December, I'd have said, okay, that's probably about right. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, if they even shoot 60% from the free throw right. line in that game, right. they beat Marquette, and now they're one game out of 500 in conference play, and you're looking at they're in every bracket. And as it is right now, they're probably first four out or last four in on most brackets if you look at like bracket matrix and things like that. So they're in a decent spot in terms of their resume. Their worst loss is one quad two loss. Right. That's a Wake Forest, and Wake Forest isn't in any danger of falling outside quad two. So like... Their resume is fine, assuming they stack up another four or five wins well, in conference. And it really doesn't matter which ones. No, and let's look at that, because it's, it's that next stretch of games, right, where you're going to have to, over the next five, probably go four and one at the very least, three and three and two, because you got you got a handful of home games in there, which is which is a good thing. Um, and you got a couple of winnable games in, in, that, in that mix as well. And I, I think for me... If, if you can start stacking some of that up here in the next, what, week or two weeks, however much it is, because you've got, you got Providence at home. It's a winnable game, right? And Providence isn't playing great right now. It, but it's at home, and you should win home games. I mean, I, I, I'm not chalking it up, but you should. Yeah, I mean, Providence is playing like a desperate team, too. They've right. actually got a little bit of momentum. No, they do. I, I think that's they're a dangerous team. They're the league. It, it, everyone, every, every team's dangerous. I'm just saying, they're when you look at this. the same, yeah. There's stretches, though, you can't look and go, well, we can get by going one and four here. You right. got Providence at home, then at Butler, which is going to be extremely difficult because I think they're very, very, very good. Um, at St. John's, then Nova and DePaul at home. You got to go three and two in that stretch. And if you got four and one, holy cow, you're in, you're in yeah. a great spot. If you win at or if you win at home against Providence, then you win at St. John's and you beat DePaul at home, which I think everyone yeah, would I think feel is Nova reasonable. I don't think Nova's a world beater. I think they're really good, but I think they've shown chinks. Yeah, I think that's right. And then you basically have to go one and two down the stretch against uh, at Georgetown, at Providence, and home against Correct. Butler, which Correct. I think is doable, especially with the way the team is playing at this point. So, I think, we're, th- so we're thinking four and four is probably the worst that they can go, and four and four gets them in. Uh, they've got nine games left, right? One, two, three. Four, I'm sorry, you're five, right. Five and four. four. Yeah, I, no, I think they can go four and five, okay. and they'll be in. Especially considering they'll be able to play the Big East tournament and may, potentially win okay. another quad one game. I, I will say the funny part to what you just said. The funny, the interesting part is that you're, you're going to be as a fan looking at not only your team in the conference tournament, but looking at the Big Ten tournament because of all the jumbled teams there. Looking at the the ACC tournament because of all the jumbled teams. I mean, there's a lot of conference tournaments where there's a lot of. A lot of similar teams to your team that are not in your league. Xavier right now sits at three and seven with quad one games and three and one in quad two games. They're nine and overs, quad three and quad four. So if you go four and five the rest of the way, that's going to be there's only one quad two game left on the schedule. The rest are quad one. So right. that's that's going to be either six or seven quad one wins at that point, plus another one or two. So four or five quad two wins as well, you're not getting left out of the tournament with no bad losses. And there's no, no opportunity for a bad I, I, loss. I, I, I agree that with that part. Uh, yeah, and, so and, I think and there, if you win four or more, you're in. Okay. And, and, and right now in net, you're sitting at 44, which is a pretty decent spot to be. Um, actually, they moved up three spots from, from last night thanks to some other teams going down. Yeah. Um, so and they're, they're three spots ahead of UC. Um, and I just I don't even really... There's just a jumble of teams. The thing is, there's just a jumble of teams. 
Yeah, and I mean that it's that way every year. But I think what you look at is what are those teams' resumes going to look like by the end of the season? What opportunities do they have left? How many you know losses right. versus wins do they have? Well, the thing is, those for? are the Big Ten teams. And the big, just, the, as long as you're not losing to Nebraska or to Northwestern. Yeah, the Big Ten's in the same boat as the Big East. They're all going to pile up a bunch more quad one and quad two wins the rest of the season and, and be in a better position than like the AAC and the A-10 and those conferences. I know our friend Mike DeCourcy um, of Big Ten Network and, and Sporting News is doing his own bracketology now. Um, and, and the last one I saw, I was watching Big Ten Network the other night, he had 10 of the Big Ten teams in. Basically, everybody other than... Nebraska and Northwestern, and so They're what all happens? Top Fifty teams. Well, no, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm yeah. just saying for them, as long as they beat up each other in that in that way, as long, like I said, as long as you're not losing to Northwestern or losing to Nebraska, you're probably fine. Well, and and the or, Big East is, and in, you got to win some games, right? I mean, you're not you can't lose your way in the whole way, but yeah, the Big East is in the same boat. I right. mean, it's it's not the net, but right now in Ken Palm, St. John's is the lowest ranked team at 80, so yeah, everyone's right. top 80. There is no, no remotely right. bad loss. Right. Um, and it's only upside in terms of the games you play. You can beat almost anyone, and it counts as a good win. Cincinnati has won four in a row and is now 14-7 and seven overall and 7-2 in conference play. What word or phrase would you describe? Would you use to describe Cincinnati's season to this point? We come and – I mean, I, I think they're on the improve. They've, they've started the, – the win over Houston, the way they won that, if you can't take a boatload of confidence, and we're taping this on a Thursday, into Wichita, which is sagging quickly – and get you another road scalp. Um, I don't know what you can do. I, I I just think they're they're starting to really find themselves as a team in in many ways. Cumberland's getting the buy in. You're getting you're getting different outings from different people when you need it. Um, yeah, they're they're they coming <laughs> to me. They they coming. Yeah, I would say too little, too late. Question mark. Uh, that's a good that's one. the only. That's my only question. They're really that's good, good right one. now. That's I think one. they look like clearly the best team in the conference. And what we know about John Brannon is his teams usually come ready to play for the postseason. They're usually ready to play, and they step up in the big moments. We did it at NKU multiple times where he needed to win the conference tournament, and he did so, and he made the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't be surprised to see UC win the American Athletic Conference and and render this whole bubble talk useless. However. You look at their resume and the Bowling Green, the Colgate, the Tulane losses, they're going to cost Pete Tram's going to kill you about Bowling Green, man. He loves him some bowling, although they lost to Central Michigan on yeah, Tuesday night. I mean, I'm just saying they're outside the top 150. You know, so like that loss is going to cost you. The The Tulane loss is going to Tulane cost you. Tulane loss is miserable. Yeah, and, so the, and they don't have a quad one win yet. Now, this Wichita State win tonight is an opportunity for one. They'll have another one With at home. Me- against- Mem- Memphis... Or they'll have another one at Houston yeah. where they'll have an opportunity for a quad one. But yeah, and Memphis won't be because Memphis, Memphis is, home. is outside yeah, yeah, yeah. the top 50. Um, they've got two opportunities left. They need really both of those. But if they get one of them, they may give themselves a chance. I just don't know with what's left outside of winning the American Athletic Conference Ooh. is their resume is going to be good enough unless they run the run the table. Yeah, another 47 in net, so they're not exactly way down the list, but they're in that jumble of teams, and you're right. I mean, you, you, you A, can't afford a bad loss, and they've got a couple chances for those still. Yeah. I don't think they'll have those. I think they're past the bad loss stage. I really do. I think they've overcome that portion of it. Now it's you're right. You've got a couple of opportunities. You've got to at least get one of them. You need to, because your net ranking isn't going to matter. Your The net really matters because it's who you beat in the net and yeah, where those yeah. teams are ranked based you know, in the quadrants. Right. And for UC, their net is going to be fine, but they just don't have the good wins, and they do have a couple bad losses. Yes, that's fair. So if they don't rack up the Wichita State and the Houston wins, 
then their resume is still going to be really questionable. The good thing is they are playing better than anyone else in the conference right now, and they have the best player in the conference. So I think they still have a very legitimate shot. And I think you get to be excited about the fact that the new coach looks like he can coach. Right. Uh, Right. Despite some fans questioning that earlier in the season, uh, I think you have to be pretty pleased with where things sit if you're a UC fan right now. Kentucky lost at Auburn over the weekend, but bounced back with a home win over Mississippi State on Tuesday to move to 17-5 and on the season, including 7-2 and against the SEC. What word or phrase would you use to describe Kentucky's season to this point? Um, interesting. And because I kind of gave up on them in December, I just didn't think – I mean, Nick Richards had not given you anything at that point, and I just didn't see it coming. Um you know, we talked about Maxi being a guy that on given nights can put up points, and he's done that. But but if you were going to count on him to consistently do that, you were in for a world of hurt. But it's been interesting because starting with that Louisville game, Nick Richards just became a different guy, a different player, a player that you can go, you can run your offense through. Um, and not only is he a rim protector, which that that part was a given, he now is a legitimate offensive threat that teams have to scheme around. I was listening to the pregame for Auburn. I was driving to go broadcast the game Saturday night. I was listening to Cal in the pregame, and he was whining already about the officiating before it even started. It was a wildly poorly officiated game, and that's not the reason Kentucky lost. It just was a poorly officiated game. And it was. But he he made a point of a lot of this is going to depend on how they call it with Nick. And he said, I think they'll go right at Nick the first few times they get the ball and try to get him in some foul trouble. Um, And so if, if you're now worried about Nick Richards not being on the floor, I think it shows you how much he really wants and, and is relying on Nick Richards to do some things offensively, and the kids come through. And then as long as you can get two of those perimeter guys on a given night between Quickly, Hagens, and and Maxie um, to do something, I think you've got a nice recipe there. Uh, I, I No, it's been interesting because, I, like I said, I, I told you back in December, I didn't think they were very good. Um, I think they're pretty good now. I think they got some nice parts. I don't know if it's good enough to win it all because I just I can, I can see some inconsistencies and in some things that they do. But in the, in this year where I can't count on anybody, honestly, I, I wouldn't. I'm not counting them out. I think this UK season has been underrated. I think it's UK fans have gotten themselves to a point where their standard is so high, and they all want to be so mad at all times about this team underperforming that they forget to enjoy anything. When you look at a season where you start off by beating the number one team in the country, Michigan State, you have wins. Like over Louisville, your rival, in overtime, which was a very fun game to watch. And you've also gone on to, you know, like win at Texas Tech. You've you've won uh you beat Mississippi State at home. You won at Arkansas in SEC play. You've won at Georgia. You've you've held serve at home and won some big road games already in SEC play. I think the frustrating part is when you look back is Evansville and Utah. And and I was just going to get to that. Yes, I understand there's the slip-ups. The Evansville, the Utah, and the South Carolina games are all slip-ups. But South Carolina isn't as much of a slip-up because it, it's a road game inside your league against an above 500 team. Right. You, Utah, but you, but South me, Carolina you, you, isn't good. Right, no, you're right. But to me, Utah and Evansville are the two. You're like, really? what? And I understand that's why fans got so down on them in the first place. But when you just talk about the wins they've picked up, what they've done since SEC play has started, particularly on the road where they've gotten some nice wins now, and including the uh, Texas Tech win, which wasn't SEC, but part of the Big 12 challenge. You're 7-2 and two in, in conference play. You're 17-5 and five overall with the wins you have. This has been a pretty good year, and this is going to be a team that, looking across college basketball landscape, is going to end up with a nice seed. Well, you still have a chance to, and, I, and again, you have, to, you have to win these, 
But you still get a chance to get a nice win at LSU, even though they somehow were the only team in the last two years to lose at Van- lose to Vanderbilt. Not lose at, but lose to Vanderbilt. But I still think LSU's really good. You still got that a chance to get that win. You got Auburn on a return visit to Rupp. You can imagine what the crowd's going to be like for that game, right? And you, and you get a chance to go to Florida as well. You got t- Florida twice. Now, Florida's got their own issues, and they had to rally from 22 down to beat Georgia, but I still think they're really good. It still would be a good win. I mean, so you still have a chance to get two, three, four more quality wins on your resume before you even go to the SEC tournament and maybe get another one or two. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky's sitting right now at four and three against quad one opponents, and you're right. I mean, they could rack up one, two, I mean, at least three or four more quad one win opportunities in SEC play, assuming they win those games. They're three and one against quad two opponents. The big glaring uh, loss they have is that Evansville loss, which is a quad four game, so they're seven one against though, and three and zero against quad three teams. So, it, the the resume aside from the Evansville loss is pretty good with the opportunity to get much better assuming they continue to play like they have over the last month. Yeah, the Auburn loss wouldn't be isn't discouraging at all. Oh, I, not again, at all. I thought Auburn's, the fishing was awful. Um and Auburn's good. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's good. That's a top 30 team on the road. Yeah. There's no shame in losing that game and that's why they they brought around the quadrant and, system. And look, I think Mississippi State's pretty good. And Mississippi State's the kind of team I I thought that could give Kentucky some trouble because of their their ability to go rebound the ball and they got an NBA level player as well. Um and Kentucky played a pretty solid game. Now, they wilted a little bit down the stretch, but still get a nice solid home win bounce back. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think it, it, it's been underrated. Northern Kentucky swept its Wisconsin road trip over the weekend to advance to 16-7 and on the year and 8-3 and in Horizon League play. What word or phrase would you use to describe NKU season to this point? Mm-mm-mm-mm. I guess what if, and we're going to get the answer to the what if, what if you had everybody healthy the whole year? I think that's a good one. Um, maybe you go to Arkansas and get a win. Now, the thing is, none of what they would have done would have gotten them in the conversation for that large. So it's still none of that matters. No, but if you get, if you win that game, what if you're all of a sudden and you don't have the slip ups, the couple slip ups? Texas that Southern. You have. Right, Texas Southern and the loss at Detroit. Yeah, right. And maybe even the home loss to Green Bay. I mean, then you're sitting Are with, you a 13 seed all Yeah, right. That, if, that, you, if you win the Horizon League, I, I, that's I, the only question yeah, you have, I, right? I think that's the In case. terms of the what if. But the, the good part to the what if is we're going to find out, right? How good they can be? Yes. Potentially, yeah. I mean, they have all, enough all, runway left. They're, they're all back. They're all healthy. Maybe and, not a thousand percent and not in sync and all of those things, but... And you still have over a month and a half of season left, yes. almost two full months yes. of season left. There's enough runway for them to no, gel no and doubt. get the chemistry yes. right. And wind up with a good seed in the conference tournament. They're going to be the win. In my opinion, I don't even think it's, it's pretty clear cut at this stage. It's it's Wright State and NKU. One of them is going to be the one, one of them is going to be the two. Yeah, and I don't even think it's in question yeah. anymore, especially after this road trip where they handled right. Green Bay in person yeah, right. at their gym. Right. Um, for me, it was going to be along those lines is – just getting started. I don't think yeah. we've seen, you know, a lot of teams, Jim and I were talking about this on the pregame over the weekend. He, weekend, he asked me, you know, what what about the dog days of the season? You get into February and it kind of becomes old at this point. You just want to get to the postseason. That, I was like, the, the flip side of this is it's it's brand new to some degree for these guys. Yeah, for NKU, it probably doesn't feel like that at all. They've just been waiting to get everyone healthy so they can finally get started and get everyone on the same page. They haven't had that opportunity yet. This road trip was the first time they had Dantes Walton, Jalen Tate in the lineup together along with everybody else. And, you know, it made a difference. Now, Dantes Walton wasn't himself. He's not back to being the best player in the conference yet, but he still made a difference. He had a double-double his first game back while not playing very well. So, um, And it's taken a lot of pressure off of Tyler Sharp. All of a sudden, that, that lineup, you know, Bryson Langdon, 
When they go small, they put Dantes Walton at the right. five a couple of times this weekend, and they left Bryson Langdon in, who has been shooting the ball really well as, as a small point guard. You go Bryson Langdon as the one, Jalen Tate and Tyler Sharp at your guards, and you go Trayvon Faulkner and Dantes Walton at your forward spots. They are, for this conference standards, I mean, they're not the most athletic team, but by this conference standards, that gives them more athleticism, more skill than most teams and can put and out you're there. Functionally long enough. I mean, you got what four six six guys on the floor, three six six guys on the floor, rather, and that's and especially with the way Jalen Tate's rebounding at the point guard yeah. position. He had ten rebounds on Friday night against Green Bay. He followed up with nine rebounds on uh, Sunday against Milwaukee. When you get that type of and, production and, from your point guard spot, and in that league, it's not like you're playing front lines that have a seven footer and a six ten guy. I mean, no. The one thing you probably can't do that against is obviously against Wright State, or maybe you can and say. Loud, you come out and guard us. And, us yeah. and maybe that's the way to beat them because a lot of teams give them trouble by forcing Loud and Love to guard the perimeter. And if he's got to match up with Dantes Walton, it's a totally different ballgame. And, and they're a man-to-man team, so it's not like they're going to just go, well, now we'll play zone and keep him in the paint. Yeah, and then maybe you drive on him, get him in foul trouble, and get him out of the game entirely. I think it's certainly something to keep an eye on going forward. It was it was definitely an interesting look for them over the weekend. But yeah, I think they have a, a lot of upside still for a team that has fared pretty well already. I liked your little game. Good work. All right. Skinny, one more college basketball topic here. There was a wild incident in Cincinnati's win over Houston on Saturday. With 6-16 remaining in the game, Houston forward Dijon Giroux dove for a loose ball, but while on the ground fighting for it, he bit Cincinnati forward Mamadou Diarra's thigh. Yes, you heard that correctly. He bit Cincinnati forward Mamadou Diarra's thigh. Bit it. Officials reviewed the play before giving Giroux a flagrant foul a flagrant two foul and ejecting him. Houston head coach Kelvin Sampson suspended Drew for a game, and the American Athletic Conference later released a statement saying it agreed with Sampson's one-game punishment. So I ask you, Skinny, do you think a one-game suspension is an appropriate punishment for biting an opposing player during a game? I think you should be suspended the amount of stitches it takes to, to stitch up a bite, Mark. And if it took none, then you're good to go. One game's right. One game sounds about right. I disagree. I think cannibalism should be met a little bit harshly in, in did he, sports. Did he draw blood? We don't know that. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there were teeth marks, apparently. Apparently, they could. They had physical evidence to show the ref, which is what made them go review it, from I what know, I understand. I know, yeah, I know that. Um, one game sounds about right. I, I mean, can you equate this to a punch? If I'd have punched you in the thigh? I think it's worse. If I'd have punched you in the thigh? So I think it's I think it's one thing you can equate it to, and that's punching people in the junk. I think it's similar to, to a groin punch. Okay. Both of those two things need to be outlawed. You can't be biting people, and you can't be punching so people what do you, what, in the jewels. So, so what do you think the guy should have gotten? Um, I, I think, You're the one that thought the Kansas punishments were crazy. Yeah, because I'm fine with fighting. Like If you're punching me in the face, I'm fine, but you can't punch me in the junk, and you can't bite me. Those two things are just well, you skinny. We look. What if I just take an open hand and just slap you upside the head? I'm okay with that. Okay. I, that is fine. That's within the sport. I, <laughs> within the sport. I just don't think we should set the precedent that it's okay or it's just a normal thing well, to no go around say, they biting it, people. They did suspend him a game for a game for that. You know, you get suspended multiple games for smoking weed. For smoking weed, Skinny, this dude bit somebody like in the game, like it was just a normal human like thing said, to do. If it had taken He's five- a cannibal, and you get suspended for one game. Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> have you never seen the movie? Oh, I've seen the movie. Um, 
Fava beans in a nice canty. This thing can go dark really quickly if you don't do a, nip it in the bud. I had Mama do a Dihara's thigh with a fa- some fava beans in a nice canty. I mean, um, did he get a rabies shot after the game? How does that tetanus, work? Tetanus shot. Um, I one game's enough for me. I, I he didn't look. If you want to do honestly, equate it to stitches. If it took five stitches, five games. It took seven stitches, seven games. If it took none, you, you you did an act that you shouldn't have. We'll give you a game. No, look, I think you got to miss at least four. Games I saw them. I somebody. saw the poll question that Mo Egger put out there that you answered. Oh. Would you rather get bit or punched in the face? I didn't answer it. Someone answered for me saying Brian Snow said he would rather punch me in the face. Oh, I'd rather punch you in the face too. Then okay, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I I think a lot, a lot of people, people would, like to would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I'm fine with. Yeah, a punch to the junk's a bad one too. I'm with you on that. That, that yeah, that, I think that's th- those are four game suspensions. And the other thing that really pisses me off about this is I hate I hate when teams preemptively make a punishment. And then the actual governing body, whether it be, in this case, the American the league, Athletic Conference, right. or in sometimes the case would be the NCAA, goes along with what they already punished. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't get to you don't get to decide your own punishment and then like you get off the hook easier because what well, we punished ourselves. No. They they can punish themselves, but then you still punish them. You know why Give rule, them three more why, games. Why rule books though are so big is now probably the league's gonna have to write in its rule books the exact punishment for Things that you just described. A punch to the face is this number of games. A punch to the junk is this number of games. A bite is this number of games. Well, heck, if you if there's an honest uh, competitive advantage to be gained for biting someone from biting someone now in a game, why not? You only you only miss one game for it. You might not even get caught. What if you draw blood? You might not even get caught. Maybe he's a vampire. You only miss one game for being a cannibal. I mean, that is insane. Seriously, think about the fact that. Kelvin Sampson went out there, defended his player in post game because he didn't believe it actually happened. Then, when he saw a better angle later on, he came back and had to release a statement that said, "I'm sorry. You're right. We he agree did. that we can't let our players bite other opponents. We're going to have to suspend him for a game. Game's enough for me. Just a ridiculous situation. I'm, I'll it, be honest. It, it is a little goofy. I think. Well, here's the thing, though. If he bites someone again, what happens? He's done. Well, then we got a then we've got a real issue. He's then, a cannibal. Well, and that's why you can't the, suspend this guy for only one game in the first. Yeah, game. I mean, for for this, it could have just been a whatever the reaction. If you do it again, then suddenly you got some issues with biting people. You think? Kind of like what? Who's the Duke guy? I'm drawing. I'm gonna draw a like Grayson Allen. Yeah, like to trip people. A junk puncher. Yeah, a junk punch. junk puncher. Yeah, junk puncher. You've got to nip tripper. it in the bud early. These type well, of he things did. He become addictive. He tried to nip it in the bud. He sure did. No, the NCAA didn't do enough. Oh, I thought you meant him. They never suspended him for four games originally. Oh, I know. Right. I think I think it's. I've got a two strike policy on this. It's four games the first time for either offense and the next time you're out you're done for the year no biting third time you're out of the sport for all no junk no junk punching all right there you go all right skinny wrap it up with our favorite topic as always time for some joe burrow talk yeah buddy we gotta have it got to have it the joe burrow doesn't want to play for the Bengals. conversation started up again this week Dan Patrick asked Burrow if he wants to hear from Cincinnati, and Burrow responded, Look, whenever you're in the conversation for the number one pick, it's obviously a dream come true. I know they have a process to go through. I have a process to go through. It's a long way away, Burrow said. But is being number one or going to the right team the most important to you, Patrick asked. Combination of both, Burrow said. You want to go number one, but you also want to go to a great organization that's committed to winning, committed to winning Super Bowls. There's lots of factors that go into it. My dream has always been to play in the NFL, and the fact that I'm sitting on here being in the conversation as number one pick is honestly crazy to me. Watching the NFL draft growing up, watching the guys walk out and hold their jerseys, there's a lot of things that go into it, but it's a huge honor. 
Burrow is also being trained by former Bengals quarterback Jordan Palmer, Carson's brother, who hasn't exactly been the most complimentary of the Bengals of late. Do you question whether or not Joe Burrow wants to play for the Bengals, Skinny? I don't. I think there are. I mean, TJ Hushmanzad is also working with him as well. And um, another guy who hates the Cincinnati Bengals he doesn't organization. Hate them. He actually he, he he had some comments as well, saying that TJ Hushmanzada would have been a janitor if it weren't for the Bengals. Look, he came back and was an intern a couple summers ago here. Um, but I think some of this is. Look, I, I would tell you this. If the Bengals draft Joe Burrow number one and Joe Burrow decides to pull an Eli Manning, if you will, I think the Bengals will know that well enough ahead of time that even if they take him, it's with a plan to quickly deal him. And that's fine because if you're going to do it, I still think you can get multiple picks from Miami. I, I really believe that. And I think you can still get to it. And I'd, be, I'd still be okay with that. I'm just telling you, I'd be more than fine with that. The thing is, everybody... Everybody wants to jump to the assumption that, that, that Joe Burrow is going to automatically be the greatest quarterback in NFL history. I get your excitement level. I do. You want to have something to cling to as a fan. Um, but I still, I, I think you do have to go through the process both ways. I mean, what if you go to his pro day and, and for whatever reason, he doesn't perform well or he's, he comes in interview questions and does I don't think that's the case. I think. Yeah, we're, we're too far along. Yeah. Right we're past and look, that. I also think this is, this is February conversation is what this is, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's that. It's, it's kind of stirring the pot for no reason to stir the pot. I'd be disappointed if Joe Burrow flat out came out and said, I don't want them to draft me. I don't want to go there. I don't want to play in Cincinnati. I don't think that's the case. I think it's more just, I'm keeping all my options open. If, if something happens where a trade takes place, I'd be happy to go to that team. I, I just, I think we're making a mountain. Not you. I mean, everybody's doing this. And I get it. It's February conversation. No, I no, I totally agree with you. I, look, do I think Joe Burrow is sitting around saying the Cincinnati Bengals are the first team that I want to play for? Absolutely not. Does he probably would he probably rather play somewhere else? Yeah, most players would. So I, I mean, that doesn't bother me at all if that's how he's thinking, and I'm sure that's exactly how he's thinking. However, I've seen nothing from what he's said in interviews, the way he's carried himself, his fa- what his father said, what his father says that suggests he's ready to pull like an Eli Manning yeah, situation. I, he doesn't seem like that type of guy, and I and the way he's answering these questions very much seem like it. Look, it's an awkward spot when you haven't been picked yet. And you're asked to speak on a team that hasn't picked you right. or hasn't said they're going to pick you. That's a and weird thing to do. Maybe maybe he goes and talks with Duke Tobin and comes out of it going, these guys don't have a freaking clue. I'm yeah. out. Or, or maybe he goes, all right, they got a plan. I, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, and, and granted, everyone knows that he's going to be the, the number one pick, right? But if you're actually that guy, it's a weird thing to be like, yes. yeah, I'm going to be the number one pick, obviously. So he, he might... Look at it from the perspective of, well, I don't want to be sitting here talking about the Bengals and playing for the Bengals, and they go and select Tua. Right. You know what I mean? Like, from that perspective. That is egg on your face. I wouldn't want to be talking about the Bengals either if I'm him. So I think it's an awkward spot. I think he's a nice, polite kid who's trying to answer the I questions and that. dance I, around them as much I, as he I can. I agree with that. He hasn't said anything, in my opinion, that even Agreed. remotely makes me think he's Agreed. thinking of not wanting to play in Cincinnati, aside from... What anyone would be feeling at this point, which is, I'd rather not play for the Bengals if I'm a winning player. Can I get to Carson Palmer for a second? Yeah, I'd love to. This is one of my favorite topics. Well, okay. I think what he says, there is a there, there's, there's bitterness on his part that maybe he thought they didn't do enough in his tenure when he was here. Um, I also know this. Right after he left... They drafted a quarterback in 2011 in the second round, and all I know is that quarterback led a team to five straight playoff appearances. Carson, knock knock. What what what, what did you do? You took him to a couple. Okay, I, I look. I still the 2005 thing to me. 
if he doesn't get hurt, that might be a Super Bowl team for all I know. It really might be. And so I, I hear these guys talk about the Bengals don't want to go to the Super Bowl or don't. Um, to me, it's always been they don't know how. It's not that they don't want to. People made a mountain out of a molehill two years ago. Domita Pecco went to Denver. This team wants to win. That's why I'm here. And Domita's just going to say what, what he thinks you want to hear. And guess what? His two years in Denver, they were a losing team. So did Denver want to lose, or they just were in that funk of not being able to win? I mean, please. I, I think it's all nonsense. And Carson, like I said, right after you left, they went to five straight playoffs. You think they? You don't think they were want? Look, they were in a window to win, and they won. And I've I've heard some of the arguments that both of those guys have made about areas where the Bengals skimp on, and just and I ter- do think that they should change their their philosophy in they, free agency. I do. Well, and things like taking care of players with just small amenities and things throughout the locker room. Not anymore. Marvin changed that. Uh, Trust well, Marvin changed all of that. And, and I believe you, but I also believe them when they say what they experienced. Right. So like I, I get that stuff, and I think there's validity to some of that. I also look at like Carson Palmer, and maybe part of it is that they the Bengals took too many chances, but like Dave uh, David Pollock wasn't taking a chance. He had a freak injury Correct. that eliminated him. Odell Thurman. Odell Thurman became a, a substance abuser. Right. I mean, and, and granted, there was a checkered pass there, so maybe it was another chance that they didn't need to take. But he was also the best player in football, or the best linebacker in football for about a year and a half. Yeah. And um, Chris Henry. Obviously a checkered pass there, but he was also an extremely talented wide receiver. Like the Bengals didn't do those things. Those things happen around those times. But if all those things pan out, they did have a really talented team in place to go along with Carson Palmer. And they had done some of the things they needed to do. And by the way, he had a talented roster around him and he did nothing to lead that group or propel it and raise elevate the 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 play of all those guys around him it seemed like the locker room was constantly crumbling around him and it was led how'd the, Ra- to- how'd the raiders do this season he got traded to the raiders how'd that work out not great i, I i'm just saying I, I look i my whole thing is we always compl- i always hear the complaints about it, the locker room being ran by uh chad and and to and all this other stuff well, then why didn't Carson run the locker room? Why didn't he have any type of leadership presence? Why didn't we ever hear from him when he was in Cincinnati and not after he wanted to leave Cincinnati? It was like he was always in the shadows until we wanted out, and then he was ready to talk and, and be the face of the franchise all of a sudden. No, be the face of the franchise when you're with the, with the franchise. How about that? I agree with that. I agree with that. Thanks for sidetracking us to Carson Palmer. It was good. Yeah, that was good stuff. All right, Skitty, let's get to our betting picks. Let's do it. Last week uh, in, in football... I was, how was I one and two? Because you lost the f- coin flip. Ah, good point. That's right. That was a double or nothing bet. So I finished the football season almost right at 500. 130, 127, and one. If you add the vig, the juice, the 10%, I was negative units for the year. You, on the other hand, I believe if you had the vig and the juice, were barely on the plus side. You went three and oh, though. You had tails. You had the Chiefs. You had the under. I think I had just the Chiefs. I did not have. I had the over. So yeah. I had the Chiefs and the over. Correct. And then I lost the, the heads tails. You finish at 135, 122, and 1. So if you take the units, 12.2, you finish 0.8 units to the positive. Rich, baby. Hope you roll with it, baby. Now you got out from underneath the case of beer. All right. Now to college basketball, however, where I went 6, 1, and 1. And I'm now 60. 36 and 4, Rick Brewer. I don't know what I'm more impressed by. You going 7 and 1 and 6 1 and 1 in back to back weeks or 
Ken Palm hitting another game on the nose on the and nose. pushing it's us incre- again. It really is incredible. Um, you went 4-3-1, and one, and you're 47-49-4. Not great for your boy. Not great for my boy. All right, who we got? Thursday at 7 p.m. tonight, UC at Wichita State. Wichita State is the four-point favorite in this one. 132 is the total. Yeah, I I got a feeling that that line that that that's the Ken Palm. In fact, I'm going to look up as as we're doing this. I think there, I think I can get a real Ken Palm line for us. So give me a real actual line for us because we're doing this on the day of. No, you want me? To uh, no, actually, no, actually, they don't have a line for it yet. So you're right. So you're good. So four it is. If you're going to give me UC and four, I'm taking it running the bank because I think the Bearcats go and get the outright road win. Wichita is really struggling at the moment. I'll go uh, UC sixty seven sixty two. So the Bearcats outright and the under. We are right along the same wavelength with this. I said UC 67, Wichita State 63. So that's UC just covers, and it also hits the under. Yeah, the Wichita's 2-3 and three in their last five. They, the losses, two of them are on the road, but one's at Temple, which is an ick loss. The other one at Tulsa, which, God love them, they still lead this league. I'm trying to figure out a way how, but they are first place in the league. Um, and then they also lost to Houston at home and actually got boat raced in that game. But their their wins since then, UCF and South Florida don't overly impress me. Like I said, they're, they are 17-4, and four, but they're scuffling of late. And I just think UC, I think they're ready to go get a win like this. I agree. And it's such a big opportunity that they need. I think they're the better team. I, I don't know how they're going to pull it off without Jay Sorolla, though. I, that, that to me is big a big loss. You got to admit, that's a little weird, though, isn't it? I mean, I think he just wasn't playing enough. He had, he had kind of lost his role. It hurts UC's depth from from yeah, that perspective because you get, get foul trouble you get, now. Get another five fouls with a seven footer, right? Yeah, but I mean, Mamadou Dr is kind of taking those yeah. minutes anyways, and he's been giving them a lot more. Yeah. So, is what it is. Also, across the river at the same time, Thursday at seven p.m., Oakland visits NKU. The Norse are ten point favorites. The total is one twenty six. Yeah, I think the Norse get them a, a a comfortable win. They got all, they got all hands on back on deck. You're coming off a nice road trip, a chance to maybe take a day off, get a couple good practices in because you had a nice little gap there of three or four days. I'm, I think NKU rolls this one up. I'll go Norse seventy seven fifty eight. Now, last time NKU played Oakland, which was at their place, they ended up pulling away and winning that game late. But Oakland did not have a point guard, essentially, at that time. Since then, they've gotten a point guard, Rashad Williams, eligible. He's more of a shooter and score. He scored 37 in a game last week when was Horizon League Player of the Week. But something to watch for here. He could change the dynamic of this game a little bit. That total is really low. I know NKU keeps games slow. They keep it low scoring, and Oakland plays through their big, so they play a little slower too. This will be a low scoring game, but I don't know if it's going to be that low scoring. I'm going to say NKU covers 74 62. So that's NKU and the over. In this and one. this team just lost to IUPUI about 10 days and, ago. And yeah, I just. They're terrible. It's and they hard lost it for home. me to get over that. I know. It's hard for me to get over, over Greg Campy's hair. <laughs> Saturday at 1 p.m., Kentucky. Travels to Knoxville to take on the Volunteers. Tennessee is the one-point favorite. 133 is the total. Yeah, I'm having a hard time agreeing with that line either. I think Kentucky would be a slight favorite, even though it's on the road. Um, I'll, Tennessee just got a nice win at uh, at Alabama, but still I think Kentucky's the better team. Tennessee at times has a hard time scoring it. I think this is very low scoring. I'll go Kentucky 65-60, so UK and the under. I think it's going to get up a little bit more than that. I know Tennessee plays an ugly style, and they're going to try to keep it low scoring. But I'm going to say Kentucky wins this one 70-65. So it's UK and the over. Uh, our, our boy inside, Nick Richards, 25 points in the second half the other night. 
how many players in college basketball can dominate right. and take over a game in that manner right now? No, they're, right. They're, it's they're, no there's very few, one, if any. Yeah, it's one handful of guys that can do it. Yep. I mean, count them on one hand. Saturday at 7 p.m., and we're doubling up here for UC and, and NKU right. because they both play tonight. We want to give a little more shelf life to their games, so we'll uh, pick them twice. Saturday at 7 p.m., Detroit invades BB&T Arena to take on the Norse. NKU is the 14-point favorite. The total is 138. All right, here's where I'm going to go a little weird because even in their losses for the most part for Detroit, except for the, the one they just had against Oakland, they lost by 13. They're in almost every game. Lost by three to Green Bay. Lost by two to Youngstown. Lost by five to Cleveland State. Um, beat Chicago. Beat EUE Pewee. One at Milwaukee. They, they seem like they, they compete. They're one of those teams that you can look and you go, well, they're terrible, and they are, but they somehow hang around games, and they, they had a win over NKU earlier. Now, that would you think work in NKU's favor. If that number's 14, I think it's way too high. Um, I think I'm going to go NKU 77-70. Um, so I'm going with NKU and the over in that one. Well, you're going with Detroit and the over. NKU well, yeah, I'm sorry, NKU to win Detroit the game. NKU is not going to be in danger of winning of, of losing this game. They're, it's just a matter of the 14 seems way too high. 14 is a lot, but here's the thing. I don't want to bet on the other side of it because NKU lost to these guys at their gym and it ain't going to happen, especially not with Dantes Walton and Jalen Tate back this time. I, I, it is a lot, but I can't go under it either. So I'm going to say NKU covers the number. Wow. NKU 78, Detroit 62. That's NKU and the over. Brad Calipari is going to come out firing. Well, he was sick last time these two teams played, so maybe he'll be the difference there maker. And NKU will win by 16. <laughs> Saturday at 8 p.m., Providence comes to the Cintas Center. The Musketeers are favored by four. The total is 130. Tyreek Jones just grabbed another rebound, and he was in his sleep when he did it. So, just in case you're wondering, I mean, what a joke he's been the last. It's been two ridiculous. Games. It's been ridiculous. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like I, that. I was driving to to go coach a game on Saturday, so I actually ha- I have Kenneth Fareed. Uh, yeah, no, that's he, what it reminds he, me of—a rebounding machine. And I was listening to the first half of the game as I'm winding my way through the back roads of Kentucky, and so I'm not completely focused on all the action. But you know, you hear some key words, and you're like, really? I swear. For about 30 minutes of that drive, it sounded like da 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 for Seton, whoever it was for Seton Hall was shooting. Off the no flange. Good, no, yeah, off the flange, rebounded by Jones. I swear, it's like those were like the key words. Rebounded by Jones. I'm like, how many in the world? So, you know, when you finally look, you're like, that sounds about right. 19, 19 Yeah, 19 yep. rebounds sounds about right. Checks out. He's been a machine. Um, had a hard time finishing the other night. Um, uh, missed a couple dunks. Um, but still, it's just a rebounding machine. I, I think Xavier's, I think the, the great part of the two road wins into a home game is the amount of confidence you can take, and we saw it last year. I think this team's going to start playing with a little bit of confidence. I think they they keep rolling it here. I'll go, I'll go x seventy three sixty two. So Xavier and the over that over that total seems small. I'll go seventy three sixty two. I'll just leave it at that. I think the big thing for Xavier is that nothing they did in those road wins was out of character for them. It's not like they now, went Seton out and Hall shot did the lights shots, up. right? I mean, they missed shots. Oh, for Seton Hall, it was out of character. But they but, were also one and done missing those shots. I'm just talking about the way Xavier played. It's not like, now granted, they made a bunch of shots to open that Seton Hall game. And really, they started off hot at DePaul too. But in terms of their overall numbers for both games, neither one of them did they shoot the lights out no, and right, make a bunch right, of threes. Right. They didn't take great care of the ball and not turn it over at all. They weren't the just, end of the DePaul game made you, made you squirm a little. They weren't just impeccable decision makers that were just playing lights out on offense. They grinded it out. They played ugly. They won the way they needed to win by dominating the glass 
and being really tough defensively. They can keep doing that, and I think that's what gives them more confidence than anything, and the reason why I think they'll keep it rolling. I'm going to say Xavier 67, Providence 62. So that's XU and the under in this one Saturday night, which brings us to our Sunday game at noon. UC at UConn. The the Bearcats are one-point favorites. The total is 133. Yeah, I, I, if, if I think they win at Wichita, I think they carry that momentum on as well. That's a that's a UConn sucks. Uh, yeah, they they're not they're and, not and good. they're playing for nothing right now. Yeah. Um, now, if UC loses ugly to Wichita, could you have a hangover on Sunday? I don't think so. Yeah, I think maybe. they beat UConn no matter I, what. Yeah, I, I'm going to pick them anyway. I'll go Bearcats. Uh, Bearcats seventy one sixty. Nah, it's not going to be that high score. UConn can't score. I'll go UC sixty nine sixty two. I'm going to say UC seventy. UConn 65, so that's UC and the over. I you got, took UC and the under. I got UC and the under. All right, so there we go. All right. Rick, that's all I got for now. Winter weather is coming, people. Leave distance between yourself and the car in front of you. You do not need to tailgate. You're not going anywhere any faster. Get off my ass on the roadways, or I will brake check you, and I will get out of the car, and I will beat you summarily. So please, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Summarily. All right, have a good week, everybody. We'll be back next week with another Skinny Podcast. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition.